Well, thanks for listening to our uh, first, very first Convincing Proof podcast. What I wanted to do in this podcast is share how I became a Christian. So, I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, Colon, Nebraska, spelled just like the the body part, C-O-L-O-N. Very small town, 110 people. Uh, The joke has often been that that includes the the cats and dogs. So, very small town in rural Nebraska, and grew up going to church. My folks took me to church pretty much every Sunday. And uh, it was a Presbyterian church, which I'm thankful for. You know, I think there were a lot of, a lot of seeds, you know, planted as I grew up going to church and Sunday school classes and hearing Bible stories and such. Growing up, I thought of myself as a religious um, person, a religious kid, I guess. And even in high school, I had that. When I started high school, I had that. Um, I don't know, reputation or, or stereotype. And people thought of me that way. I was uh, really close friends with with another, quote, religious kid, uh, Jeremy Gooding. And we were, we were kind of known, you know, as, as religious kids. And that was one of the reasons why we didn't go out and party or drink or, you know, do um, a lot of the normal high school stuff that a lot of the other kids were doing. At least not during my freshman and sophomore year. But starting in my junior year, I did start going out, um, partying, drinking, you know, uh, doing all those things that that teenagers are, are prone to do. And I was really afraid, you know, since I was um, best friends with, with Jeremy, and I knew he was even more religious than me. I was so afraid that he was going to find out what I was doing on the weekends. And I remember there were times where I would go out partying and I would tell people that I was drinking with, you know, don't, (laughs) when we get to school uh, on Monday, you know, don't tell Jeremy I was here. Don't let him find out because I, I did care, you know, about what he thought of me. And I figured eventually, you know, he'd find out we'd probably just drift apart. Right, our friendship, where we just kind of go in different directions. He did find out um, that I was going out on the weekends, but instead of uh, distancing himself from me, he actually drew closer to me as a friend. And one of the things he did then was um, he started inviting me to his church. Now, he went to a large non-denominational church in Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska, capital Nebraska. It's kind of the, for us at least, it was the big city uh, close by, 45-minute drive. So I did. I started going to some of his just youth events, you know, high school, teenage events at his church, parties um, that they had at the church, youth, youth events, such like that. And I didn't think much of it, you know, I was just enjoying um, the fun times and, and the environments that they would create and, and got to meet a few folks and looking for, you know, girlfriends, of course, as most teenage teenage guys are. But 
um, at one of the youth events. This was so the date was February fourth, nineteen ninety four, and the high school leaders at this at Jeremy's church organized uh, a fun event around the board game Clue. And they had, you know, different adult leaders dress up as the different Clue characters, Professor Plum, Colonel Mustard, one of them played the detective, and then us uh, teenagers had to go through various, oh, obstacles and um, challenges to get the clues and figure out who the murderer was. It was a fun night. I remember a lot about that night, even though it was many, many moons ago. But after, after all the festivities after all the the fun and games i was sitting at a table with a a teenage girl her name was iris and iris started asking me questions about my church about my religious beliefs and hadn't had many you know conversations like that especially with fellow teenagers before and one of the questions that she asked me um changed my life and so I, I do my best to try to ask other people this question when I get the opportunity but here's the question that she she asked me she said um, you know Adam if, if you were standing before God right now and he asked you why should I let you into heaven what would you say to him and I said at the time, I said, I'm sure that God would let me into heaven because, hey, you know, I'm a religious kid. I'm I'm one of the good guys. I'm, I haven't done anything too bad. Uh, I go to church. You know, all those things that uh, so many people often think that various things that they've done or ways that they are uh, cause them to deserve to go to heaven. And that's how I thought. <clears throat> She pointed out to me, though, uh, she, she opened her Bible, various verses she used to explain to me that God's standard is perfection. So, in other words, if, if, if I wanted to go to heaven, or if somebody wants to go to heaven, they have to be completely perfect. No mistakes ever in their entire life. And I was a bit frustrated um, at that, as you can imagine, because I said... I thought, at least to myself, if, if that's the standard, then nobody's getting into heaven because nobody's perfect. And she said that's exactly right. She said that's, that's the whole point of why Jesus came to be our Savior, because we've all fallen short. We've all uh, messed up. We've all made mistakes, and we deserve God's punishment. None of us deserve heaven. One of the verses, you know, that make this very clear is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5:48, where he says, "To be perfect, therefore, as my heavenly Father is perfect." And the Sermon on the Mount is a, I think, just a perfect illustration of what perfection should look like. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, it's three chapters you can read in 15 minutes. There's no way you can walk away from reading that sermon and thinking, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good. Because <laughs> he puts the standard so high in that Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and, and I'm sure everybody in the original audience just walked away from 
that sermon thinking, man, I, if that's what perfection looks like, I'm not even close. And so the Holy Spirit used that, the Holy Spirit used Iris and that conversation to really instill upon me how imperfect I really am. It was it was a bit humbling. It was it was devastating, but she went on to explain uh, the good news. <clears throat> she wanted to explain that, in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our evil choices that we've all made, God still loves us, and because He loves us, He sent His Son to first of all live the perfect life that we've all failed to live and then to die on the cross to pay the penalty that we all deserve for our evil choices. She said that I had faith, you know, she said that I was trusting in something, but I was trusting in the wrong thing. I had put my faith in what I could do to earn my way to heaven instead of what Jesus did for me. So, you know, it was good that I believed in God, it was good that I believed that the Bible was from God, you know, that Jesus uh, was God. I knew those Bible stories. But you see, my faith was in the wrong thing. I wasn't trusting in what Jesus did for me. I was trusting in what I could do to earn my way to heaven. And I fear that's where many people are at. I feel I fear that there are many people who believe in God, people who even believe or would say they believe the Bible, um, believe in Jesus Christ, that he existed, you know, whatever, that he's God. But they're still trusting in what they can do to earn their way to heaven, and that's a that's a terrible mistake. That's where exactly where I was at. But through God's word, you know, through Iris pointing those things out to me, I uh, stopped trusting in what I could do to earn my way to heaven, and I started trusting in uh, Jesus Christ and what He did for me. And that's when I became a Christian. That's what anybody be, becomes a Christian when they put their faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I repented from my evil choices, and I put my faith in Christ that night, February 4th, 1994. I, I went home and made that decision and prayed for the first time as a Christian. So it hasn't been a, a you know an easy ride ever since. There's been ups and downs and struggles in my faith uh, and in my life, moral struggles. But uh, that is the night that I'm, I'm convinced I became a Christian and was, was born again. A little epilogue to the story. So um, after that, Jeremy, you know, my best friend in high school who brought me to the church, and then Iris, the one who shared the gospel with me, they started dating and uh, eventually got married and have been married now for close to 30 years. So I kid them sometimes. I say, you know, I owe you, I owe Jeremy and Iris, because they were the people that God used to draw me to himself, you know, point me to faith in Christ. But I tease them that they owe me because I was the missionary project that uh, that helped bring them together. Anyway, I wanted to share with you guys how I became a Christian and, and uh, here in my first podcast. So I hope it was meaningful, and I hope to encourage other people to think seriously about this and what they're trusting in, where their faith is. And if if you haven't put your faith solely in Christ yet for forgiveness and salvation, let me encourage you to do so. 
Nothing can be more important than where you're going to spend eternity. And I want you to know that God loves you in spite <clears throat> of all the evil things that you've done, in spite of all the evil things that I've done before and after I was a Christian. God still loves me, and he wants you to put your faith in Christ to receive that free forgiveness. It's not anything that you can do to earn or deserve it, but he gives it out freely um, if you would just put trust what he did for you.